0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back into Point Kentucky. My name is Hunter Mitchell and I'm joined again by Leah Ed. How are you doing tonight, Leah? I'm
1: doing great. How are you?
0: I'm good, good. We've had a lot of volleyball since we were last on the podcast. Three matches is kind of uncharacteristic for a week's worth of time, but Kentucky's been busy. Unfortunately, it hasn't gone, um, I think, as Kentucky fans would have hoped, as Craig Skinner would have hoped, and the team. Uh, the Cats went one and two in their last three since we last recorded. So beat Houston, uh, number 21 Houston, on last Friday and then fell in five to Purdue, number 20 Purdue on, on Saturday. And then obviously last night, went to number two Louisville and got swept. So, Cats haven't exactly performed the way we were, we were hoping early in, early in the season, but they are getting there. And I think that's kind of what we'll, what we'll start with firstly. Let's talk about that opening, or that weekend, what we just had, where they played Houston and Purdue. We'll start with Houston, because Houston's the good news. They won that one. What did you see against Houston that you really liked out of Kentucky?
1: Consistency. Mm-hmm. And aggressiveness from the serving line and aggressiveness hitting like exactly what you want to see. I mean, they were right. just on all cylinders doing exactly what we know they can do and expected them to do. And so it was a type of game. I mean, there, of course, were still errors. There's always going to be. But mm-hmm. in all, it was a complete game. You had people showing up and standing out and doing the things that we expect them to do. So it was just like what you wanted to see and give you a little bit of hope that they were going to do exact. They were getting better and things were starting to work out.
0: Like you said, 56 kills in the four-cent match is a pretty solid number for Kentucky. Emma looked like what the Emma that we're used to seeing out of her, 45 assists per set. back closer to that 11, 12 assists per set. Um, Number that she's been at for most of her time at Kentucky. Early in the year, she really has struggled with that just because Kentucky's offense has been so stagnant. But that Houston game, they did a much better job, sided out well against Houston. Um, like you mentioned, kept them uncomfortable from behind the service line, which we've we've touched on. That can be a strength of this team. We're just waiting for them to show that consistency. And I thought against Houston, they did a really nice job. Again, I think, did Houston win set one or did Kentucky win set one? Let me look. No, Kentucky won set one. Houston responded in one set two. So that match was tied one to one. I liked seeing Kentucky respond from Houston's response and say, all right, we're going to shut this down quickly. We're going to win set three and then really end it in set four. You really like to see that rather than pushing to a fifth set where obviously when you're p- playing in one of those tournaments, like we talked about last weekend, where you're playing so many games in such a short amount of time, you want to take care of business as quickly as possible. So it was nice to see them respond from that set to win by Houston, um, by weighing those next two. They had three players double figures, Elise, Brooklyn, and Reagan. Again, we're still waiting for a little bit more production on that left pin. Um, I think w- once Kentucky gets that, they're going to go to this level. And so they, they were better, uh, against Houston and even against Purdue, against Purdue, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but Houston especially was a really solid outing. Again, Houston isn't one of those teams that when you get to the end of the year, the committee is going to look at that win and go, oh my goodness, look at that monstrous win. But it's a good win. And at this point, Kentucky is looking for wins regardless of whether they're good or not. Um, so so getting that one against Houston it was a, a really nice, I think, confidence booster for this team. We talked about, you know, where is the team's confidence and how can they get better at it? And I think that win against Houston was a really solid, um, solid start. Well, why don't we go ahead and transit Purdue? Because I think that one, there's more to talk about. Yeah. Obviously, that was a five-set loss. What did you see against the Boilermakers? The,
1: the boiler I was excited that it went to five sets because it showed a fight. It showed that they were there and they went over 15 points as well which i i mean it sucks to lose but like seeing them go to a 5 set match and seeing them compete and go back and forth that's what you want to see so that means right. it's there the, the fight is there the push is there they just got to figure out how to do that a little bit more consistency but i mean even though in a loss i think that might be one of their best losses yet because it showed so much potential of what they can actually do and i mean a fifth set match on a Saturday night against a top ranked team is like going into a weekend like Louisville it might be actually kind of helpful in what right. you need, but I still, the consistency lacks. It was like they had really, really, really high highs during that game. And then all of a sudden it would just drop off the table and go right. really low. And so you don't want that big of a curve. I mean, you can have like a little drop cause they happen. People make mistakes, but you can't have that big of a drop off and then trying to keep continuing to fight yourself to get
0: back up. And, and this is one of those weird games that it's. there's usually one or two a year where you look at the final box score and you say, wait, how did they lose? I mean, yeah. Kentucky has more, had more kills than Purdue. They had fewer errors than Purdue, more assists. They had more digs. They only had one less block. Like when you look at the final box score, you would think that it was Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky had five players in double figures that night, led by Megan Wilson, who we have not called her name a whole lot at least to this point, she has really struggled. She had 16 kills for Kentucky that night. And and between her and Brooklyn, Brooklyn had 12, you finally saw, oh, wait a minute, there's that left side production that we've been waiting for and looking for. And so it's just one of those weird ones. Again, when you look at it, it, it's like, wait, how did they lose that? Problem is Purdue had somebody, Chloe Ch- Chicoin, I mean, went off. I mean, Kentucky had no answer for her. She had 24 kills at 375. You're not going to beat a whole lot of teams if you let them go off with that efficiency. Um, very often, especially again, you mentioned it—a Purdue game, top 25 team. It's on the road in Purdue. That gymnasium was insane. You know, you, you get to the fifth set. I think Kentucky had a 13 to 12 lead. It looked like you know, man, if you can just side out one more time, you have the advantage. You know, you you would like to think that eventually Purdue's going to make a, make a mistake, but they hit one of those lows that you're talking about where. They were up there, and then all of a sudden they just dropped. And, and in a fifth set, when you give a team an ounce of momentum, it doesn't matter if it's the beginning of the set or the end, it can very very quickly unravel and unfortunately after that 13 12 point even though it went a few extra past 15 it, it really never felt like kentucky was in control again and i think there was even a play when it was 13 12 when kentucky was in that point they had a chance to push it to 14 to 12 take that two-point lead and purdue managed to get it and tied up and those are the things that especially a fifth set match you just cannot do um And and unfortunately, they couldn't get the win. But I think just from from hearing from Craig last night, hearing from Craig in the the press conference on Tuesday, I do think he was very encouraged by that match against Purdue. You mentioned it. Talk about what those five setters, even if it's a loss, Leah, talk about what those do for your confidence, considering the fact that, hey, we pushed them to five. It was a road game. We finally got a taste of that production we've been looking for. What's that do for your morale?
1: I mean, it should lift it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, five-set matches are you're going through the ringer. Like, there is just not one five-set match that you feel like, oh, we got this. And especially when it comes to fifth set, that puts you in another type of pressure that you're not going to deal with the first four sets. You got 15 points, and those 15 points come really, really quick. And fifth sets make you not make errors. Cause if you make an error, it's going to turn one, two, three errors. You're already at 10 points and you're five points away from winning or losing a game. So being in that environment is a little bit more it's tougher than being down maybe 20 to 15. Cause you know, if you're down 20 to 15, you might have another set, but after that you got nothing. And so morale wise, it should let them know they can do it. They're capable of going back and forth with a the team. They're capable of pushing other teams to have to play perfect to try to beat them. It's just, hard when you're not getting that consistency and that's what we've been talking about all seasons that they just have to maintain that consistency and then we saw a lot of that last night where they were really really close and then they just kind of dropped off because they lacked that consistency of being able to string along three points at a time which is huge in the game of volleyball
0: and that was that's a Purdue team that's played already in like four or five set matches they had won most of their five sitters too so that was a team that was experienced in that regard you you coaches probably never technically want a five-set match because ideally you go out and you sweep everybody right because you just you're so good that you're dominant but craig will tell you those are good to have especially yeah. early in the season because when you get in that tournament and you're playing the best of the best you're not sweeping anybody it's just not going to happen you're not going to be sweeping in the LEA to the final four if you then you had a really good night and the person had a really bad night mm-hmm. and so those five setters really do prepare you for eventually what you're hoping to be a deep run in the NCAA tournament that was a good performance, I thought, by Kentucky in that fifth set. Again, you didn't get the win. Um, either there are no moral victories in sports. You know, coaches hate moral victories. I always talk about, oh, we don't like moral victories. But we're journalists, so we can say that. That was a good moral victory for Kentucky. You come away with the win, but you looked good in that fifth set. Purdue jumped out to a little mini lead, which again, a two, three point lead in the fifth set. That's a big lead. I mean, that's much bigger than what you're usually seeing in other sets. So for them to respond and then eventually take the lead, they're eight and really look like they had a chance to win it. That was impressive by this Kentucky team that has had a lot of consist- inconsistently to this point. Let's transition to Louisville. That was the big one yesterday. All eyes were on that ESPN match. Um, Louisville had beaten Kentucky the last two times, but the last two matches were five setters, so everyone was really excited to see what uh, that that match was going to look like. Unfortunately, Louisville was just dominant pretty much from start to finish. What were your biggest takeaways from last night's match?
1: I think it was they allowed them to go on too many serving runs. Way too many serving runs. Mm-hmm. The being able to side out, somebody find a way to get a kill, that was the issue, my biggest issue. Through all the sets, even when they were ahead, as soon as they got ahead, they let someone go on a serving run. Yeah. And I also think on the flip side, Kentucky didn't go on enough serving runs. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were being aggressive serving-wise, but you had a lot of errors, a lot of balls into the net. And as a coach, you much rather have them fly a ball past the line out than in a net, because then at least you have to allow someone to make an error. But I think Louisville was passing perfect too much. I think at one point, they were passing over 52%, like Mm -hmm. side out ratio, which is like insane. That means basically almost every time they're siding out and you don't want that. And their middles were too involved. And if a middle is too involved, that means they're probably passing perfectly, which means your serving isn't there. And so I think that was the big thing is like from the side serving side out passing perspective there were just too many opportunities for louisville to do whatever they wanted and kentucky didn't have enough opportunities to do what they wanted they didn't get yeah. enough chances to pass the ball perfect and have three people coming at them now the performance by reagan rutherford that's what i like to see though you could tell that she was pushing and fighting for each point and right now we haven't had that much of someone like taking over a game and she did. And even the set that she really, really went off. I think that was that second set. She was already at yeah. Mm -hmm. kills. Like that's what you wanted. Even though they lost, you saw a little bit of someone being like, I'm not, I'm tired of losing points. Let's go. And she scored, I think four or five points in a row. And that's what you want to see. But again, the left side, the errors and the things that we had been talking about through the season started catching up. And as a left side, it's kind of one of those things that you're just like, like, I wouldn't have made that decision. And it kind of sucked to see that sometimes you could tell I already started getting timid. And that's like the last thing you want to see is like when you're making a bunch of errors, when you're down, you don't want to get timid. You want to do the complete opposite. You still want to go for it. You still want to swing. Don't let that block get too involved. But I just think there were so many moments where they had like in that third set, they were up. 23-22, 23-22, you serve a ball in the net. And then you lose all your momentum that you have over an error because volleyball is a game of momentum. So little things can change the game. So you're up two points away. That's when you have to shut it down. And I think that was like a big thing that Craig used to tell us is once you hit 20, you got to go. And that's when you basically play as perfect as volleyball as you can for five points. And so to get that close, then make two errors back-to-back and then end the game on an ace is just like the last thing that you, that you want. Right.
0: And what was interesting about that match is you always wonder whenever you come into a game that's that caliber ESPN attendance record. They had twelve thousand seven hundred people in that in that I mean a new program record for Louisville last night. That that arena was buzzing. I mean, I was there at tip off and it was loud. You always wonder how a team is going to come into the game. How do they start? Are they overwhelmed by the environment? Kentucky wasn't. The first five points of Ken- that Kentucky had were three of them were blocks. Kentucky came out and immediately stifled Louisville. And I thought, all right, Louisville has perennially been, at least over this recent stretch, a big blocking team, one that's physical at the net. Kentucky came out and set the tone early at the net. And I thought, okay, if, if they keep that level of blocking up, this could be a long night for Louisville. The strange thing is after those three blocks and the first six points, they only had two blocks the rest of the match. Yeah. I don't know why it's one of those things where it's a little strange but as cold as louisville started they finished the match equally if not more so hot i mean louisville was red hot they hit 344 for the match they hit 440 in the the final frame they had 18 kills in that first set alone kentucky could not stop them and again that's 18 kills counting the fact that kentucky had three blocks in the first five points it didn't matter louisville was just on fire Part of that, like you mentioned, was the serve. They had little service runs. I thought Brooklyn Delay did a great job serving the ball last night for Kentucky. You know, um, um, Molly Tuzzo, she had good moments of serving. But again, like you mentioned, it wasn't often enough. And too often, they would serve it into the tape. Or they keep the ball in, but it was a perfect serve to the libero, who just handled it very easily and put it right over the center's head. And you had three options. We've talked about this, when you give an opposing team Three options it is too difficult to stop them defensively because you just don't know where they're going to set it um if you would have told me going to the match that anna de beer who was louisville's star out to hit only have nine kills and she'd have five errors i would have said oh kentucky might win that one yeah. but unfortunately louisville had jerry looper go off and anna de beer played well and michael jones played well and Kara Cressy played well they just had too much balance and kentucky just could never figure out from a blocking standpoint, how to set up and defend them, because like you mentioned, the serve was just too perfect. Let's talk about the left sides, because that's been a really big point of emphasis, both in the press conferences, leading up to this match, and even, you know, after the last few matches, and then again, after the match, when I was talking to Craig, that was another big point. Leah, what can Kentucky do? They have a left side issue right now. They've got one firmly established that they're Using regularly in Brooklyn Delay, she's still figuring it out, isn't as efficient as you want her to be, and maybe isn't giving you as many kills as you would like her to, but she's a freshman and what she's giving you is impressive. But they have two upperclassmen, Aaron Lamb and Megan Wilson, that have not given them what Kentucky was expecting to get from them to this point. What can Kentucky do to try and alleviate that and get them going?
1: Just one of them has to take control. It is that one of them has to want to play more than the other. Mm-hmm. That competition. So there's already a competition. We've seen all three of them play. We've seen them go in for each other. So clearly there is some type of competition of we're still trying to figure out who is going to be our starting two and who's going to stay. Because we have yet to see them really stay an entire match the same yeah. lineup. And I think that's kind of an issue. I know when I was there, there was a huge competition. Like I had to fight every single day in practice and every game to make sure that I kept my spot. And I feel like there needs to be a bigger push of, I'm going to take control of being in this second or first spot as an outside. And I'm going to play and it can't be an up and down. And that's the thing that I've been seeing with them as an outside is that it's an up and down thing. So at one point they're swinging away, they're balls to the wall, being super smart. And then you have the other side where they start tipping and I can tell that they're now thinking about what they're doing too much. You might've gotten a block, somebody got an error or something not characteristic happened. And so then you start thinking. So I just feel like somebody has to take charge and be like, this is my spot. I'm going to prove that this is my spot and I'm keeping it. No one's getting subbed in for me anymore. I'm going to own that I'm one of the starting outsides. And I just feel like some, they got to push it, Like there, there's nothing volleyball wise at this point that they can do. Right. And I've said that for every game, it has nothing to do with volleyball. This team is incredibly talented. They all have the firepower. They are some of the strongest and smartest hitters I've seen They just need to have the mental confidence and toughness and stability to be able to just take it and roll with it. So one of them has to be able to say, I'm not going to let these errors get in the way. I'm not going to let the pressure of being an outside get in the way. I'm going to play regardless.
0: This has been, it's interesting that you mentioned the mental aspect of it. Because again, just from being on Twitter and and people asking questions to me recovering the game, a lot of it has been, What's is there a talent issue? Like, Did did Craig not recruit well or did did he not hit the portal? What's going on? It, I know that hearing that sounds like we're blowing smoke. It, it, yeah. it genuinely is not a talent problem. Aaron yeah. Lamb, Megan Wilson are fantastic outside hitters. I, like you said, it is all mental right now. When Megan Wilson starts tipping over the block and she's doing it every single time, it is a mental thing. She is seeing a block fully formed in front of her. And it's saying, I don't want to get blocked. You know, when, if you are an outside hitter, if you're a hitter at all, and you are thinking, oh, I don't want to get blocked. You can't, you've already lost. You cannot, when you get blocked, you You have a libero, you have defensive specialists behind you to pick it up when you get blocked. You have to approach that block saying, I don't care if it's fully formed. I'm going to swing for high hands. I'm going to tool off the left. I'm going to go sharp on the inside hand of the middle blocker, whatever the case may be. There are ways to beat a fully formed block. We have talked about it. It's what made you so great at Kentucky. You saw blockers like what Florida would throw at you, where they'd have six, seven blockers, and you said, Good. (laughs) And they're saying good when a blocker's in front of you. They're sitting there rubbing their hands together, going, Thank you. Let's go. That's what you did. It's what made you so great. Right now, Aaron Lamb, Megan Wilson aren't approaching the blocks, I, I think, quite like that. A blocker, yes, it is a, an obstacle to get to get around, but it's also an opportunity. How can you use that block to tool it or, or cut on the inside, whatever, to throw off the defenders behind you? Or again, we, we haven't talked about this yet, and what? It, but to reset the point, to hit it into the block to make sure that your defenders can pick it up and you can restart it. That's I think the, the biggest area that Kentucky has got to figure out that Aaron and Megan have to figure out going forward. I I like Megan and Aaron both. I think they both have individual strengths that maybe the other doesn't have. So there are benefits to both of them. What I like a little bit more, at least at this point about Aaron, is that Aaron, to her credit, still swings. She might get blocked. She is still swinging. And in in that third set against Louisville, she did not have it going, but she had about three or four kills just in that third set because she just said, give me the ball, and she thundered it down. And that's what Kentucky needs right now. They just need people that are going to go out and swing don't swing erratically. Don't, don't swing, you know, with, with no you know, conscience about it. You need to at least have a plan. But what I like about Aaron is that even if she's getting erred or getting blocked, she still isn't afraid of that block. And I think at this point right now, Kentucky really, really needs that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a rotating door till somebody, I mean, in every position except for that right side position has been a rotating door. So yeah. Just even the middles. Point. Yeah. Even the middles. And I mean, Granite middles, they all have their own specialty. So I completely understand why putting Jordan in in that third set because you haven't gotten any blocks makes Mm -hmm. sense because she's a huge blocking presence. Yeah, So I completely understand the revolving door, but they all have proven themselves. I want one of those outsides to prove themselves as this is my spot and I'm staying here because I deserve to be here.
0: We've talked about some of the negatives. Let's go to some of the positives that we've seen of this this most recent run for Kentucky. Whether you believe it or not, this Kentucky team is miles better than the one that lost to Colorado State three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. If if Kentucky would have played them last night, it would have been a sweep for Kentucky. I, I think you're not seeing nearly as many connection problems from Emma, hitters. The timing is all there. I think, like you said, most of this is confidence at this point. What have you seen out of Kentucky, at least lately, that you really, really like going forward?
1: I really like the block, even though they're not getting maybe as many as they should from a volleyball perspective, the formation, the technique side of it looks really good. They are inches Mm -hmm. away from being an incredible blocking team, just have to like nitpick and fix a little bit of things. I really like the serve i truly do mm-hmm. like how aggressive it is and yes they're going to be high air but kind of air to ace ratio is kind of like so skewed that like people might be like oh my god they're making so many errors but according to aces they're actually doing pretty good so i Mm like how aggressive they are from the serving line it's just being able to get some of those aggressive runs in a row i really do like the defense as well i see there are plays that they weren't making a couple weeks ago that they're making now and they're little things and i mean like the balls off the top of the hands i mean those are so hard to defend behind but the fact that they're getting those now there are no more really clean kills anymore it's balls that you have to really just be ready to make a play and so there are little things like the serving i mean hitting wise i still think they're doing fantastic I feel like that never really was an issue was they hitting I just feel like there was just a lot of errors with all right. their as well but right. I mean you're running a clearly a way faster tempo and I don't think people realize that that ball is coming out of Emma's hands at maybe .8, .9 Second, and that's extremely fast for volleyball. So you're going to see a bunch of misconnections until you figure it out. But clearly now that they've gotten it, they're having way, way more success with it. And it's going to continue to get defenses off the line. I mean, I don't think people realize how quick that offense is. I've seen it in practice. And sometimes I'm like, my God, that's a really fast, even for me as a professional. So I think going into this weekend, going into SEC, Once they really kind of fine tune some of those little things, it's going to be great. I mean, they're right there. And that's why I said it has nothing to do with volleyball. They are right there. They're doing really great things. It's just they have to get it all to connect and stay together for a little bit longer than
0: it has been. And we've talked about this. Part of this also is the schedule, right? If this was any other year, Kentucky's schedule wouldn't look like this. The problem was just you didn't have the room to have this many errors this this early. I mean, you just didn't have the runway in terms of who you're playing to work out the kinks before you get against the really, really tough people. And that's another question I've gotten a lot. Why is Craig scheduling such a hard schedule? Well, in volleyball, you want one of those top four. C. So you want in the NCAA tournament to be able to host until the final four. And so you'll often see a lot of these schools that aren't in the Big Ten, for example, they're gonna schedule tough like crazy because they know their conference is inherently a little bit weaker than what the big 10s, right? Where Nebraska is playing Wisconsin twice, Ohio State twice, and Minnesota twice, and Penn State. I mean, that conference is so ridiculous that all of them have these crazy high RPIs and they all have opportunities for, I mean, 10, 11, 12 marquee ranked wins. You have to compete with that somehow. And this is how coaches do that when you play in leagues like the SEC. Now, the good news for Kentucky, Good and bad, I guess, is that the SEC is substantially better than it used to be. So while the non-conference has not gone according to plan, you have a ton of opportunity in the SEC to actually pick up a lot more wins. S- or Tennessee is ranked in, top, in the top 25. They're at 15th right now. Arkansas is ranked, and they pushed Wisconsin to five sets um, a couple weeks ago. Obviously, Florida – Everyone knew Florida was going to be good. We didn't know they were going to be this good. They're ranked third in the two right now. I mean, they are they are rolling and they play. Who do they play on? Is it Wisconsin on Sunday they have? It's Wisconsin. It's, yeah, I believe so. They play Wisconsin Sunday. So the Gators look great, obviously. So the SEC is going to give Kentucky opportunities to get some of those wins that they maybe didn't get in the non-conference. Um I think a lot of this right now is they just need some wins. Like we've talked about it. A lot of this is confidence. You're doing the right things. Obviously there's still issues to work out, but you're not seeing a win as the end result. Whether you want to admit that or not, that's a, a mental confidence boost say, all right, we weren't perfect, but at least we got the win. Well, you're yeah. still seeing, man, we we're close against Purdue. It doesn't matter if I tell you how great you played at points in the match, you still see a loss. and. Fans still see a loss, right? They don't see the – they might not see the market improvement because they're still seeing the same result whether it's week one or week four. This team is getting better. It's just the problem was they didn't have the runway to to do it slowly. They needed to be better immediately, and Craig has talked about it. You wish as a coach that it could be an instant thing where you know all of a sudden all your problems were fixed and you could roll, especially when you're playing a schedule like this, but it's just not something that they've got. One other thing I'll say is I think Reagan Rutherford is really beginning to settle into it. Look, she was great last year. She's been phenomenal for Kentucky of late. I mean, she had 16 kills last night, hit 583. She was a thorn in Louisville's side all night long. And what I like about her her is they're also using her differently. Early in the year, we saw that back row connection wasn't there. She was hitting it long, couldn't get it in. They used it twice last night and torched torch and it wasn't just it. it looked like a Leah Edmond back row attack. I mean, it's <laughs> what you used to do. I mean, she, she was swinging at it and it was working. I think they're slowly beginning to use that because remember at times Kentucky gets stuck in those two hitter rotations and they yeah. can't get out of it. That gives you an option when Emma's in the front row as another possibility to get out of it. So I really like what we've seen out of Reagan and I think you've touched on it kentucky needs a dog that just says give me all and get out of my way i think reagan is slowly becoming that and again her being a right side hitter her being left-handed all those things are unique to the sport of collegiate volleyball and that helps kentucky it's a good thing for kentucky if you have someone like reagan moving forward you touched on the block i think that again we saw early in the year the block really struggled for kentucky now they might not be getting as many blocks, you know, in terms of a statistic, but you mentioned this, they're getting more touches on the ball, which is really, really important. It's, volleyball is one of those weird sports where there's so many stats that don't show up in the score that like you might not know they're getting better at. You mentioned the serving. People look at aces and go, oh, they didn't have that many aces, but how much chaos did you cause, right? Mm-hmm. Because – If you're causing chaos, that's not going to be recorded as an ace, but if you're getting a free ball off of it, that's a really good serve. So last weekend when Kentucky had eight aces against Houston and 13 errors, you'd like for them to have maybe more, maybe 11 errors, not 13, but they were causing chaos. So those eight aces may have been more like, you know, 16, 17 plays where they had easy points, right? Those are the areas that Kentucky is getting better at. Um, that I think moving forward, especially once you get into SEC play, and there are no gimme games in the SEC, I don't mean that, but you're not playing Nebraska on the road or Louisville on the road. You know, you're playing LSU at home, hopefully. So at yeah. least you get a little bit of, a, of an alleviation. So, yeah, again, I, I want to point out that there are negatives and, and there are things that Kentucky needs to work on. Absolutely, we've talked about that. But there is market improvement from this team just from the last couple of weeks, and I think that's a big reason why Craig and the, the staff are so – optimistic about the potential because they know they have the horses they have the athletes just a matter of getting them you know figured out getting the mental blocks like you've touched on out of the way um what about Nebraska Leah you played Nebraska they were a thorn in your side and the instantly turned a couple of times what is it like to play against John Cook and the Nebraska Cornhuskers
1: I mean I said it to my mom like earlier I was like I wish I'd gotten the chance to play Nebraska when my career wasn't on the line um, <laughs>
0: that's true you always played them in the I tournament
1: played them when if I lost it was the last game I was playing that season that's True. That's so I was like I mean true. that's like me with all their schedules now it's like right after I graduated we're getting Stanford's and Nebraska's and Wisconsin's mm-hmm. and I was like I would have loved to play those teams and knowing that that loss didn't end my season and I didn't <laughs> cry after them so I mean I'm happy for them that they get the opportunity now because that's what you need for the tournament that's what you need it's the last game before sec that's what you need right before you're going into sec because it's not like you're going like we said you're not going into an easy conference anymore the sec has completely changed its landscape next friday against lsu is going to be just as hard as all these other games i want to come for blood as well and i just think playing in nebraska at nebraska is just like one of those like one of a kind experiences i mean we saw when they played inside the football stadium what that environment was like and like that's one of those things that like you're like yes that you want to win but you also just need to enjoy being in that type of environment like being around a group of people who love volleyball so much and getting to see that and i feel like that outside of volleyball like the skill the game itself is one of those cool experiences that i hope they all enjoy getting to play in such a packed arena around people who just love watching what's going on in front of them and what they're doing now in terms of volleyball Nebraska is going to play some of the cleanest volleyball you have ever seen. And they take pride in that. And that's one of their big things. They are not – Luna is making her entrance. Um, (laughs) They are not going to give you points. You will very rarely see them make an error like hitting a ball in the net or hitting balls out unless they're really going through your hands. They're going to play clean volleyball, which then in turn pushes your opponent to play clean volleyball. So this is a really good time to see how – Close to perfect, can we be? How much can we eliminate these errors? Because it's going to be very, very easy on a easy to see during the game and on the stat sheet the points that you gave them.
0: Yep, be and for error. the. For those that don't know, Nebraska volleyball is the equivalent to, like, Kentucky basketball. They love volleyball out there. So if you don't know, Kentucky is walking into a a war zone on Sunday. I mean, it's not going to be a a mild, you know, 5,000 crowd. The Devaney Center seats 14,000, and they're going to fill it. It's going to be 14,000 strong. Kentucky played 12,000 last night against Louisville. It's gonna be louder and rowdier. I mean, there's no comparison to playing in Nebraska. They love volleyball. What was the craziest arena that you played in when you were at Kentucky, Leah?
1: Craziest?
0: Was it Texas, maybe?
1: I would definitely say Texas. Okay. And even Nebraska, I prefer playing in Nebraska than Texas. They're like a little bit of far away, but Texas mm-hmm. like right on top of you. But Texas, Yeah, the
0: Texas like, court is tiny.
1: Yeah, Texas is probably one of the craziest places I've played in terms of fans because, I mean, it was packed in there. Mm-hmm. And they were loud. They were calling out. They knew things about me that I was just like, you had to look that up. And I mean, like, I got some pretty crazy stuff from Florida fans about football while I was playing. Mm-hmm. This was on a whole nother level. It was insane.
0: I believe it. I believe it. Well, it, I'll just say that's the kind of environment that Kentucky will be walking into on Sunday. Nebraska's a young team this year. They've got a freshman setter. They've got some freshman hitters. Kentucky will have another familiar hitter in Merritt Beeson who played at Florida the last couple of years. She is kind of Nebraska's, um, I don't want to say main offensive threat because they're so good everywhere offensively um but she's a very big option for them she's going to get a lot of swings for 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 nebraska she's been great early that's again it's a hitter that you're not familiar with just in terms of you know what you saw when she was with the gators oh now my dog wants to make an appearance by drinking water when i'm talking it's great Um, But Nebraska is a good, this is another staple of Nebraska is what they are defensively every year. This is a team that usually is going to beat you in terms of blocking or just sheer dig numbers. They dig everything. Let's see, Rodriguez is one of the best liberos in the country for a very good reason. She is an incredible defensive specialist for Nebraska pair of people like her, their defensive specialists with what they have at the net in terms of their blocking. Nebraska is number one in the country in opponent hitting percentage right now. They're forcing people to hit 076 for an entire match. And when you're looking at a Kentucky team that has struggled to be efficient offensively, this is a big challenge. And it's one that Kentucky is going to have to come in prepared and ready for their egg. And you mentioned it when you play a John Cook, Nebraska team, You cannot have errors because the minute that you have errors is the minute that you are going to get pounded. I mean, Nebraska is just such a clean program from the way they play. They just are not a team that beats themselves. And usually Kentucky is, I mean, Craig was taught by John Cook. He was on his coaching. So Craig has brought that to Kentucky, and that's usually a very big characteristic of what Kentucky is. But this year, just again, with those hitters that just haven't been what we thought they were going to with the faster offense and how that's had some connection issues that hasn't quite translated as, as, um, as much as it usually does for a Craig Skinner team, Kentucky is going to need to play it is its best performance of the season on Saturday. I know Louisville is ranked higher. I think Nebraska is, they're one of my favorites to win it all this year. They are a ridiculous team. I've watched them a few times. They swept Stanford this week. I mean it's not easy to sweep Stanford. I think that was the first time they swept Stanford since 2008. And I mean, they they took care of them pretty easily. So this is going to be a big challenge for Kentucky. It reminds me of that game last year when Kentucky played um, Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And it felt like, man, this is, how are you gonna do this? And they actually came out and they stole a set. They looked like they were gonna take the fourth and force a fifth and a very questionable referee call kind of messed that up. Still, still thinking about that one a little bit, Um, but they played well. That was the point is they went into a hostile environment and really played well. That was two years ago. It was Emma and Eleanor's freshman year. Um, You're going to need an effort like that again, a clean effort where the the whole team just says, all right, let's just see what we can do. We're, We're two and five on the year. What do we have to lose? Let's just go into Nebraska and let's see if we can pull off. What would maybe be the upset of the entire season thus far? Just when you consider where Kentucky is at right now and where Nebraska is right now, because Nebraska is rolling right now and and they haven't lost yet for a reason and they're young, but they are really, really talented. I think the recruiting class was number one in the country and it's for a very good reason. So that's going to be a big game. Leah, what are some ways that you played Nebraska a few times? What are ways that you can attack a team that is so sound both defensively and offensively, they don't make errors. What are ways that you can attack them to try and force them to be uncomfortable?
1: I mean, it's being fearless. I Mm -hmm. distinctly remember playing them in Memorial Coliseum and how the success we had was when we were ourselves. Not trying to play their type of volleyball, not trying to compete with what they were doing, but focusing on our side of the court. And I think that's going to be the big thing for them right now. They have nothing to lose. And I think that's the greatest, best place to be anywhere in sport is you're not expected to do anything and you've been struggling. So no one, you're going to keep everybody on their toes. And I think that's where they want to be is we're playing away. We've been struggling. They're the top four team in the nation. Let's just go out there and just have fun and play. I think that's what they need to be. They cannot be tense. I want to see them being relaxed, being calm in situations. This is the perfect time for them to focus and practice all of that, being calm regardless of what the score is, being relaxed, still playing Kentucky volleyball regardless of what's happening to Nebraska. And I think that's going to be huge during this game, and I think – the big thing is going to be that serve receive game. Yeah, 10 teams are very well known for their serving because of how stacked almost every team in that conference is. If someone a chance to have all their hitters available, they will destroy you. So I think Mm they're really focused on to be like, how well can we pass, but even not passing perfect. And I don't think people realize that you do not have to pass perfect for you to have opportunities. You just need to be able to put the ball in Emma's hands in a way that she's able to get at least two out of three hitters or two out of two hitters, whatever situation they're in. So I just really think it's going to be honing in on that serve-receive game, getting Nebraska out of rotation and getting them out of the chances of having all their hitters, especially when you have people firing on all cylinders right now. The more out of system you are, the better your defense has a chance to set up and the better circumstances you have. So I think this is just the perfect opportunity to just play free and do everything that they've been focusing on and practicing, but really playing free. Because there is – Louisville, there's a whole lot more tension going on. It had nothing to even do with them being the number two team or how many people were in the crowd. It just solely had to do with it being Louisville, just adds Mm -hmm. a whole nother level of tension, stress, pressure, because you're playing for the state. And so I think going into Nebraska, they don't have that pressure. Yes, Nebraska's number four, but there's no pressure for them to do anything other than go
0: out there and compete. Right. And again, Nebraska Look, I don't ever want to say there's a, there's a year to get them because there's not They're Nebraska, but they are young. And, and if yeah. you can go in early and you have people like Johnny Teeler, Reagan Rutherford, you know, Eleanor Bevan and Emma Grome, these kind of upperclassmen that have, have been around in volleyball and have played in some really big matches, you know, lean on them. And, and it, again, what I always say is get the other team uncomfortable first. If you can get them uncomfortable first and make them be on their heels a little bit, that's when they start getting forced into errors and all that kind of stuff. I think I'm looking for Elise and Ajani and and Reagan to be really big impact players, those seniors um, to try and get this young Nebraska team out of system quickly. Let's see if they can do it early. So they're playing on their heels. Well, now it's your segment. Leah Ace Smith with Leah, where you teach us something about volleyball. What are we talking about tonight?
1: We're talking about serving and common theme, common theme. So we've been talking about how good of a serving team Kentucky is and you probably don't know what that means. Why are they a good serving team? And sometimes it has nothing to do with the stat sheet and everything to do with how the ball looks. So first, we're going to break down the types of serves. You're going to probably see three different. I'll say mm-hmm. three different types of serves, and uh, you actually see almost every three on Kentucky's team. So you have your plain old float serve, um, what the majority of the team does. Um, Molly Tuzzo has a beautiful one. Yes, um, she does. You really want the ball to not. Spin. You just want it to float. So, a good float serve is well, every good serve is low to the tape. You don't want a high serve that's flying up high in the air because it gives your passers time. So, you want it as low and close to that tape as possible. You don't want it to spin. The more it spins, the easier it kind of gets depending on the server. But yeah, float serve, you want nice hand contact, no movement, and you really want to be able to see that ball kind of like go back and forth in the air. That's how Mm -hmm. you know it's really good or if they just drop off the table that those are fun ones those are called mid zones um then you have a, what's called a hybrid serve which is kind of in between a float and a topspin. and sometimes brooklyn has a hybrid and sometimes her serve is a topspin. just kind of depends on how she hits it um, a hybrid is exactly what it sounds like it's in between a float and a top spin. Sometimes it has more float, sometimes it has more top spin. A lot of hybrid serves are going off a of pace. So they're just going, they're really hard balls to figure out what's going on with and they come on you fast. And then of course you have your top spin, the serve that I did for my first with your year. famous one. Yeah. Um, And the serve that Brooklyn kind of does now, that's really, really high toss with a high spin and basically attacking from the back line. Um, It's a very high error, but also high reward serve. And you'll see that a lot. Top spins are usually 50-50 unless you get somebody that really knows what they're doing. But they end up with a lot of aces, but also a ton of errors. But yeah, those are kind of like the three basic serves. Um, I told you kind of the goals of a serve. You want to load the tape. You want it with some pace on it. A good estimate mile per hour wise is you want your serve sitting at between 39 and about 43 miles per hour. It's like a good in between of it not being too slow, but not it also being like crazy hard. That's usually when the ball goes out, but that's a good range. If you want to have the serve going at, you have nice pace. You want it to get on your serve quickly. Um, and with serving, we're not just back there, just serving the ball and hoping it goes in. I mean, sometimes you have your moments where you're just like, <laughs> hey, let the ball get in. I definitely had my moments, but we are usually serving zones and we divide the court up into about seven different zones, seven in the back and about three in the front. So, um, to explain that, I'm going to talk about how, so we know there's three people on the court. And the goal of serving, you very, very rarely actually want the person passing to pass it directly in front of them. You want to make them move. When they move, they have to think, and there's more chances up there. So if we start from the right side of the court, that in line, we call that one. Then the person's line is two. In between right and middle back is usually serving zone three middle of the court is four. You never want to serve that. Very rarely do you serve that unless there's an outside passing. Between middle and left back is serving zone five. Um, left back is six. And then that in line is seven. We use those zones in college. We use them in professional. It just kind of sometimes with serving, having a smaller area to aim for is better than having just one, two, three. You have that smaller zone, easier to focus on, smaller target ends up actually kind of helping you with serving. You would think, oh, I want a big serving target because I'm serving such a small ball. And it's the opposite. Sometimes the smaller the target, the easier it is to hit it. And then you have your front row. People usually do it alphabet, might do it by color, just kind of depends. Your short zones, you very rarely See people purposely hitting those unless you're trying to get like a middle who is really really good during serve receive trying to get her out of it but you really see it those balls that you see drop in front of people like out of nowhere those are called mid zones and each team has their own call for that as well um but yeah serving is a very it's the only thing in volleyball that you have complete control over mm-hmm. There's no one else touching the ball other than you. You are going at your own pace, your own timing. And so I think that's why serving is so harped on so much. And serving is probably more mental than any of the rest of the game because it's literally just you. So if you make an error, it is just on you. You can't blame a teammate. You can't blame the coaches for the zone they gave you. It's just you. And so being good at serving can be a game changer. I mean, even me now, I'm still getting better at my serve because there's always something you can do to elevate it, to make it better. But yeah, so now when you hear us talking about how good of a serving team Kentucky is, I want you to see how bad, how good that ball doesn't move. If it drops, if you see it shaking in the air and if it's low to the tape. So if you see those three or four things, that's a good serve, even if
0: it wasn't an ace. And if you're watching Kentucky this year, Craig Skinner has actually taken over serving assignments this year. So you'll often see he has one of those padfolios that he holds up and you'll see him hold, you know, a one, a five, whatever it is. So you can actually watch him this year and and see what zone he's at least telling his servers to target and then you can watch and see, did they hit the zone that he wanted them to? And if they did, did it work or did it not? So that's something to keep an eye on Off, off of when I'm photographing, I'll look actually before they ever serve to see what he's calling so I know where to aim my camera. Um, so I can, again, kind of a little thing that you might not notice if you're a casual fan, but that's why we have Leah here. She teaches that kind of stuff. Um, I, I do want to ask you one question before we go, Leah, because you mentioned how you did the top spin serve. I think that was just your freshman year, right? You didn't do it sophomore or did you?
1: Freshman and sophomore. Sophomore year is when I home. I got on okay. the record books. Grace this is my sophomore year. I was going to say, <laughs>
0: you have that ace record that ever told you, you've not let me forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, i want course. to ask you about about brooklyn because brooklyn has a very nasty topspin serve. i mean that as the highest compliment yeah. what is it about her topspin that makes her so good because what I, what's impressed me about her as a freshman is her topspin is also really accurate i mean she mm-hmm. does error with it but for a topspin i would expect her to error more especially as a freshman and especially last night against louisville she was getting them fit. She was one of the few servers for Kentucky that was having a lot of success, getting little out of system. What is it about hers that makes her so good?
1: So first, her pace. So there is a ton of heat coming behind it. And I've gotten to co- go practice with them a little bit, getting ready mm-hmm. for my season. And I have passed one of them. And I'm like, oh my God, that <laughs> is terrible. And terrible in the best way. Like usually when you say terrible, I mean, that was really, really good. But I hate you for being able to serve that. <laughs> but it just has so much pace coming at you. And like you said, she's extremely accurate. So she's not going directly to people. She's going to their sides. So when you have a ball coming at you and her ball definitely has to be in the 45, almost a 50 range serving mile per hour wise. So you have a ball coming that fast at you. It's actually traveling farther. So it's picking up pace as it's getting across the net and it's making you move. It's very, very hard to make a decision. And it's very, very high error for the passer because you're hoping you get your platform behind it and you get up in the air but there's just so much pace behind it and that's with a top spin serve if you find someone who can really get some pace behind it consistently it's really hard to stop and she is really good at moving it and as a freshman to have that much movement with that type of serve because if your toss is even an inch off it could ruin the whole thing mm-hmm. so for her to be that accurate and to be that fearless as well you've never seen her take anything off of it and nope. that's what like too she's confident and I think that's also one of the big things with her serve she's confident in it because you can tell sometimes when somebody's top spinning and they're just trying to get it in. Um, you can go back and look at some of my serves when I was just trying to get it in. I, <laughs> I took off some pace and you saw a little looping. And you're like, oh, okay, let the ball get over the net. But she's very confident with her serve. And I think that's why it's so successful is because she goes back there and she tries to score. She's scoring from the end line. I think that's a good mentality when you're serving. is This is another way for me to score a point. I'm thinking of it as a kill from just 20 feet back instead of 10. So I think that's why her serve is just really successful, and I think it's going to continue to get better.
0: And Leah, how much of it too is height? We, we coaches talk about like when you're a, when you're a taller server, it, it adds something to it. And again, if you're newer to volleyball, that might not necessarily make sense. How much of it is just the fact that she's six four and she's hitting the ball at such a high contact point?
1: A lot of it. I mean, a lot of serving practice, and drills is focusing on hitting the ball at your highest contact point because then it's going down. So a lot of serves that you see, some of the good serves, it's harder with the shorter people like Molly, but when you see people like Reagan and Brooklyn serve, taller people have a higher contact point. So when that ball is coming down, it's coming down more straight instead of like, just straight ahead at your face, it's coming more at your chest. And so her being that tall, she can contact the ball really, really high up and already put it kind of force it to go down. So her height definitely has a part in it and her arm surely helps out with that too.
0: It was a perfect ACE in it segment, especially as they go to Nebraska, Where serving is going to be so important against a team that is as Fundamentally sound is Nebraska. Kentucky is going to have to serve those zones accurately and efficiently. You can't just serve libero every time or serve the defensive specialist every time. They're going to have to be strategic in the zones that they're targeting and, in, in again, in the quality of the serve that they're putting in. You can't be high error. You can't give Nebraska easy ones because the minute that you do, they've got all three options available, and you are suddenly scrambling defensively trying to figure out where in the world the ball's going. I think that was a great episode. Kentucky, again, they're struggling right now, but there are positives to look at. This team is getting better, and I think there's reason to believe going forward into SEC play that this is still very much a team that can contend for an SEC title. It is still a team that is going to be very dangerous in that NCAA tournament. They just have to figure out those pieces, especially that left pin, get some more production. If they do that, I do think they're going to give Nebraska some trouble if they can manage that. And I think they're going to be able to contend the SEC. Well, thank you again, Leah, for joining me. Uh, thank you guys for joining us again watching. We'll be back again next week. We are actually planning. We've got a guest schedule. We're not going to announce it yet because she was supposed to join us tonight, but they had a, a staff meeting, so she wasn't able to make it. So we'll tease that and we'll announce it later in the week. But we do have a guest schedule to come on next week, um, somebody that I think a lot of fans are going to know and be excited to hear from. So make sure you tune in next Thursday, again, at 8 o'clock. Um, catch us as we wrap up or as we recap the Nebraska match um, and preview when Kentucky will open SEC play against LSU next Friday. So make sure you tune in for that one. Thank you all again for joining us and we will see you guys next week.